Hey, what's up, Mets fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Mets Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Cudajar, and in this episode, we're talking Mets versus Marlins. All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Mets Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Cudajar. And I can't wait to get into this series recap and review episode. Earlier today, the Mets finished off a series split against the Miami Marlins. It was, frankly, a very, very frustrating series. You know, honestly, they're pretty lucky that they even got out of this series with a split. It very, very easily could have been a series loss. Um, there was some great pitching for the Mets, but not a lot of hitting. So, you know, in the first half of this episode, as usual, I'm going to be breaking down each game, looking at the pitching and hitting performances. And then in the second half, you know, usually I'll talk about a, a topic taken from this series and then break down the, the upcoming series. But I want to break down throughout the entire second half, the Mets upcoming series against the Atlanta Braves, because this is really going to be, you know, up until this point, the biggest series the Mets have played this season so I really want to break it down break down what the Mets are going to be seeing and you know everything you know surrounding the series going into Atlanta so you know I'm really excited to get into this episode so let's start with some game breakdowns so starting with game one this was the best game the Mets had all series and honestly the one I'm going to talk about the least um, because it, it was just a good game on the mound for the Mets was Trevor Williams and he went out there and did exactly what the Mets needed him to do he pitched seven innings of two hit ball gave up no runs or walks and had seven strikeouts by far his best outing of the year for the Mets, and he was just dominant. It was exactly what the team needed. And then Jake Reed followed up Trevor Williams. He's been up and down, and actually the Mets DFA'd him today. But in this game, he pitched a nice two innings, no hits, runs, or walks, had two strikeouts. Pitching-wise, this was a great game. There was, you know, not really much to even talk about. They were just solid, held the the Marlins to only two hits in the entire game, and another shutout for this Mets, Mets pitching staff, who have looked great recently, especially in this series. And on the offensive side of the ball, the offense honestly looked really good. They scored 10 runs, they had 12 hits, Starling Marte and J.D. Davis had three-hit days, and Marcana had a two-hit game as well. You know, the, the scoring all started in the third inning when Nimmo doubled scoring a run, and then an infield single, which kind of turned into an error, uh, uh, an errant throw, scored a scored Nimmo from second base. So the Mets were leading 2-0 early. Then in the fourth inning, Davis, who just had a really nice day, single to left, scoring a run. And then McCann, who you know, has been struggling at the plate, crushed a homer, a three-run bomb, putting the Mets up 6 nothing in the fourth. It was nice. The Mets were ahead by a lot. And then after a fielding error, a single, and a walk, Davis got up with the bases loaded and one out and crushed a grand slam, his first of his career, put the Mets up 10 nothing. Like I said, Davis had a really nice game, drove in five runs in this one, hit his first grand slam, and McCann drove home three runs as well. Just a really nice game by the Mets, but, you know, this type of offensive production, unfortunately, was was hard to come by in this series. I mean, the Mets just did not have games like this 
like game one, because moving on to game two, Mets lost their first game of the series. They lost five to two. Again, the pitching though wasn't exactly the problem. Now in this game, pitching was a little iffy. Bassett was really good though. He started his first game off the COVID IL. He pitched 6.1 innings, gave up six hits, two runs, no walks. He had three strikeouts, not a ton of strikeouts for Bassett, but honestly, you know, two runs, he didn't do a bad job at all. Drew Smith came in after him. He pitched one and two thirds innings. He gave up three hits, two runs, no walks, and no strikeouts. And honestly, Drew Smith is the the one to me who stood out as not really having a great game. He came in for, for Bassett in the seventh inning after Bassett got an out and then gave up a double. He came in, he gave up an infield single, but was able to get Jacob Stallings to ground into a double play, so he did a nice job limiting damage. The Mets were down 2-1 to one at this point. It was a close game, so he did a nice job, you know, making sure that he kept the game close. But in the eighth inning, after giving up a double, he gave up a two-run home run, which put the Marlins up 4-1, to one, essentially putting the game away for them. And, you know, I talked about this last last episode how you know the past couple outings drew smith's given up home runs and i was actually at this game and i, I jokingly said to my dad who i was with i was like oh you know he's given up home runs every time he's gone out there and lo and behold that's exactly what he did and it was crushing really for the mets because you know i'm going to talk about the the offense in a second but um lindor hit a home run in the next inning would have been the game tying home run had he been able to keep the ball in the park but unfortunately he didn't and then after Drew Smith, Rodriguez came in, he pitched an inning, he gave up one hit, one run, he he walked a batter and didn't have any strikeouts, and uh, frankly, he didn't look great on the mound either in that ninth inning. He gave up an infield single and then ended up throwing the ball away when Billy Hamilton was stealing, would have easily had him out, but just missed Pete Alonso at first and threw it away, and then... After a walk and a line out, which moved Hamilton the third, uh, Suicide Squeeze scored another run and, again, put the Mets further out of this game. So the pitching wasn't amazing. The, it really was more the bullpen was the one that were the, the guys that struggled, but, you know, not the best outing for the bullpen in this series. But Bassett did a solid job. But, you know, turning to the offense again, just as I talked about last episode, really struggling on offense. The Mets only scored two runs. They came on solo homers from Brandon Nimmo, who has shown recently some some major power, which is nice. And, you know, Francisco Lindor, as I mentioned, hit a home run in the eighth inning. Would have been the game tire had, had Drew Smith been able to keep Cooper's ball in the, the ballpark. But, I mean, the main issue, it, it wasn't I, as much as the bullpen, as I talked about, struggled and just didn't look great. The fact was they didn't hit. They scored two runs off of only five hits. The Marlins had 10 hits in this game, and all five of those hits, funnily enough, were extra base hits, which I mentioned last game, uh, last episode that, you know, the, the game the Mets lost one nothing to the Reds, they didn't have any extra base hits, and they still lost, and in this one, all they hit were extra base hits, and they lost, and, you know, they had a perfect opportunity in the eighth inning after Lindor hit a home run. They got the bases loaded. You know, they were only down two at that point, and it was a prime spot, but Unfortunately, Escobar flew out and, you know, they weren't able to get any more runs home. And that's been the the problem with the Mets is their offense. 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position. Just struggling to get guys home, something that they did so well in the beginning of the season. And, you know, they were up against Pablo Lopez in this this game, who is one of the better pitchers, one of the, the better pitchers in the NL and in the league as in general. But, 
It's still just as frustrating when, you know, they get to the bullpen, a Miami bullpen, who is good. They are a good bullpen, but, you know, they get that starter out there that's been holding them, and they still are struggling to get guys on and still struggling to get guys home. So this was a very disappointing game because, you know, it felt like they could have won this one, and it was a combined effort of the bullpen and the offense, but, I mean, the offense was just really not getting it done in this one. And then turning to Game 3, it honestly wasn't too much better. So this was a really nice game, though. It was the Keith Hernandez number retirement game. Mets did an awesome job. And, you know, side note with, you know, Steve Cohen coming in and and being the owner and emphasizing the Mets history. It was just a beautiful ceremony. Really awesome. And, and congrats to Keith because, I mean, he's a beloved Met. first and foremost in baseball player, but also a beloved announcer and broadcaster. And he's just an awesome part of this organization. And it was a nice ceremony. But, you know, the Mets went out there and and honestly struggled in this game as well. On the mound, though, for the Mets was Carlos Carrasco. And I thought he did, again, a good job out there. He pitched five and two-thirds innings. He did give up seven hits, but only two runs. He had two walks and five strikeouts. I thought he did a nice job. He worked out of jams, especially in the first inning with bases loaded and no outs. Did a nice job there getting through that. I mean, the starting pitching in this series was great. Uh, Seth Lugo came in after after Carrasco. He pitched an inning. He gave up a hit, no runs, no walks, and one strikeout. He did throw a wild pitch, which ended up scoring a run, unfortunately for him which gave the Marlins the lead at the time. But honestly, he was able to get out of the inning. He got out of a jam that Carrasco had been in, and it could have been a a much worse situation uh, at the time. But, you know, as I've talked about, I mean, the pitching, again, in general, was not the issue in this game. Adovino came in. He pitched one in the third inning. He gave up one hit, one run, no walks or strikeouts. He gave up a home run. It's something we've seen that Adovino can do sometimes if he hangs a pitch. Um... At the time, it allowed the Marlins to tie the game at three, which was frustrating. But, you know, he was able after that to settle himself and get through that inning and keep the game tied where it was. Then in the ninth inning with the game tied, Edwin Diaz came in and he dominated. He pitched an inning, gave up no hits, runs or walks with two strikeouts. And then in extras, Colin Holderman came in. He gave up one hit, one run, which was the ghost runner, which actually scored on an error. Lindor throwing the ball away to third base. No walks, no strikeouts. He honestly looked really good out there for for the Mets in, in extras. Obviously, that's a tough position with the ghost runner. But, you know, frankly, I, I feel like the Mets pitchers did a good job they did give up 10 hits but four runs in this game and one of them being the extra ghost runner not too bad Carrasco not a a, really not a bad outing at all I mean the seven hits obviously you'd like to see those go down but you know did a nice job minimizing damage something we've seen him do in the past when he's been on so that was an encouraging sign and you know overall a, a, a nice a generally nice job by the pitching staff, but again, the the offense struggling in this game. Pete Alonso started the scoring for the Mets with a homer in the the fourth inning, and then after the Mets lost the lead and were down by one, Francisco Lindor hit a two run homer for a second game in a row with a home run. That that put the Mets up three to two. Again, as I said, they lost the lead and then were down four to three in extras, and then in extra innings they were down to their last out. 
with the Ghost Runner still on second. It was not looking encouraging, but Tomas Nito grounded it under Brian Anderson's glove at third base. That scored a run, and then a Brandon Nimmo grounder back to the pitcher was thrown away, and the Mets won on an error walk-off. I mean, it was super exciting. It was super awesome on Keith Hernandez Day. The Mets released a stat that the last time they had won on a walk one on a walk-off error with two outs was Game 6 of the 1986 World Series. So, you know, it was a magical moment. It was really cool on Keith Hernandez Day to get this crazy win to a sellout crowd. But, you know, if you look a little past, you know, the excitement of that, it was not particularly a great game for this team on offense. They went only 2-for-7 with runners in scoring position. They had other opportunities you know, the only guy on the team who had more than one hit was Tomas Nito, who came in for an injured James McCann. And speaking of injuries, the Mets also lost Starling Marte in this game to a groin injury. Luckily, he is considered day-to-day, but McCann, unfortunately, with a left side injury, will be out from what Buck Showalter said multiple weeks, even though he's only on the 10-day IL. So, you know, this game came with a couple of hits in the injury department as well, but you know, this team did not really have much going on offense once again. And it, it was literally, you know, down to a couple of misplays by the Marlins that the Mets won this game. And as exciting as that was, and as awesome as that was, and as happy as I was for the Mets to win, it was still a little frustrating that they weren't able to get that much going. And then turning to game four, the final game of the series, the Mets, again, offense just was not there. They lost 2-0 in this game. On the mound for the Mets was Taiwan Walker, who has been, as I talked about last episode, absolutely outstanding for them. And he was, once again, he pitched seven innings, gave up three hits, no runs, one walk, seven strikeouts. He matched and honestly outperformed Sandy Alcantara on the other side, who, I mean, is one of the best pitchers in the league. Drew Smith came in. He had a nice bounce back after Walker. He pitched an inning, no hits, runs, or walks, and had a strikeout. Then Diaz came in to send the Mets to extras again. He looked outstanding. He only pitched seven pitches, and he pitched an inning, no hits, runs, or walks, with two strikeouts, so he's just looking great out there. And then Tommy Hunter came in. He didn't really have the best top of the 10th inning. He gave up in his one inning pitched, three hits, two runs, only one of them was earned, no walks, two strikeouts. The first run that scored came on a Tomas Nito throwing error when Billy Hamilton was stealing third, and it seemed that Tommy Hunter was going to be able to get out of the inning, only allowing the ghost runner, but a couple of hits later, and Luke Williams scored the second insurance run, really, for the Marlins, which put them up 2 nothing, and that was it. I mean, that was all there was. I thought the pitching staff did a nice job. Tommy Hunter, obviously, that's a tough position. You'd like him to limit it to one run, but the main issue in this game, as were the as was the last three games, was the offense. And frankly, as I mentioned, with the Mets, with Walker outperforming Alcantara, the Mets sort of got to him. They sort of got to Alcantara, and they knocked him out after seven innings, which is not something many teams can say. They had seven hits total on the day, and six of them came against Alcantara, but they weren't able to do anything. Luis Guillorme had the best day of, of any Met. He had three hits, all of them coming against Alcantara, which, again, is not easy to do. But again, just like game two, the Mets went 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position. It was extremely frustrating in, you know, the bottom of the 10th. Lindor came up with with runners on first and third, granted two outs, but he was swinging at pitches that really were not anywhere close to the zone. And it was just a tough look. It was a tough 
situation. The Mets had chances, especially, you know, their best chance came in the sixth inning when Nimmo reached on an error, Canna walked, and they had guys on first and second with no outs. Alcantara was pitching. It was looking like, oh, the Mets are going to be able to get to him. But a double play and a pop-out completely killed that drive. And, yeah, again, it was just the Mets offense. Opportunities abound. Just could not get this done. While they didn't lose this series, they came through, you know, split the split the series 2-2. Two, two. It, it felt like a loss. It felt like a lost series because they had so many opportunities. And... You know, with the way that the pitching staff worked throughout this entire set, it seemed like they should have this one in the bag. So now that I've broken down this four-game set against the Marlins, I want to take a quick break, and when I get back, dive into the Mets' upcoming series against the Atlanta Braves. All right, and welcome back. So now that I've gone over this series with the Miami Marlins, I want to dive into the upcoming series against the Braves. And if you've listened to other series recap and review episodes, normally the second half of the show isn't completely breaking down the upcoming series, but this upcoming series is a huge one as the Mets are going to be traveling to Atlanta to play the Braves for a three-game set going to be the first meeting with Atlanta since May when they split a four-game set two to two and you know as I've been recording this the the Braves walked off against the Nationals putting them at one and a half games behind the Mets this is the smallest the Mets lead in the division has been since April 16th and that means this is going to be a huge decider for really at the end of the series who is going to be leading the division so you know breaking down who's going to be starting this series the the probables before I even get into you know my thoughts on what's going to be coming up on Monday tomorrow night it will be Max Scherzer up against Max Freed who is 9-2 with a 2-5-2 ERA then it'll be David Peterson up against Spencer Strider, who's a rookie. He's been outstanding. He is 4-2 with a 2-6-0 ERA. And then finally, on Wednesday, it'll be Chris Bassett versus Charlie Morton, who is 5-3 with a 4-2-1 ERA. Now, like I said, this is going to be the biggest series that the Mets have had all year. Since the first game of the season, the Mets have found themselves in first place, but now, for the first time, it's really going to be challenged. This is going to be a battle for first place, for first place in this division. And, you know, a month and a half ago, it really didn't seem like that. The Mets were ahead by, you know, at the at the big at their biggest point, ten and a half games. But the Braves have been red hot. The Braves have been red hot. And while the Mets have done a serviceable job winning games, I mean, they had such a tough stretch in June while not having a a good chunk of their team, missing Scherzer, missing DeGrom, who they're still missing, missing McGill. You know, there were games where they didn't have Alonzo or Lindor or Marte at different times. You know, they did, they've done a great job, you know, staying afloat in a difficult, you know, period of time. But Atlanta is 29-8 and eight over their last month and a half since, since the beginning of June. And so they've gained now nine games in the division. So it's really been a tough period of time for the Mets because the Braves have just slowly, slowly, slowly been gaining on them. Now, that loss of a lead in the division, that that huge loss of a lead in the division, because frankly, it is huge. I don't consider that a, a, a Lowell Mets moment, you know, or a, a classic Mets, Mets gonna Met moment, because, you know, we've seen that in the past, last year specifically, but... 
I, I, you have to just tip your cap to the Braves at this point. They've done an amazing job getting hot and catching up, but I don't think the Mets have really done a bad job until, frankly, recently. I, I th- mean, you know, early in June and, and towards the end of June, they were doing what they needed to do. It's just been recently where they've been, you know, losing games they should win, you know, not hitting when they need to hit, not looking like the team they have been. And, you know, going into this series, unfortunately, despite, you know, the Mets doing a great job, you know, staying afloat, staying in first, winning games, I'm not 100% confident in how the Mets are going to do in Atlanta. You know, the Mets have a couple of, of tough breaks, you know, heading into this series, which on top of the way the Mets have been playing, I think is going to to have some some sort of impact. First of all, the Mets are going to be playing the Atlanta's top arms in Freed, Strider, and Morton. You know, as I mentioned, all three of those guys have great numbers. All three of those guys are top-level starters. I mean, Freed, the Mets know, is is a great, great starter. Who's a lefty who the Mets have struggled against? Strider is a rookie who has burst onto the scene and has looked outstanding. And Morton is a veteran who the Mets have had trouble with in the past. So, you know, those are guys who the Mets are going to be facing. And now, I don't think that the Mets have bad guys going out there themselves. I mean, Scherzer, obviously, and Peterson's looked great, and Bassett's been solid, but it's going to be tough. I mean, this is not, you know, the Mets are running into the toughest part of Atlanta's rotation. So, you know, that's already a, a rough break for the Mets. And additionally, they are going to be playing this series definitely shorthanded. First of all, McNeil is going to be placed on the paternity list, and so he's going to be missing this series. McCann, doesn't really matter what you think of his offense. I mean, losing him stinks because he is great with the pitchers. He's a good defender. And he honestly had been looking like he was maybe working his way out of a, a you know, his season-long slump recently. So he'll be gone not even for, for days but weeks. So this is a blow to the Mets roster and, and lineup that goes just beyond this series. You know, it'll go, it'll hurt them in the future as well. And then Marte, who, I, as I mentioned, Will not be placed on the IL. He has uh, groin inflammation, he said. But that makes me think that he's going to miss, you know, one, two, and possibly the entire series. So you're re- you're going to be playing this series without McNeil, without McCann, without Marte, who are some of your best bats despite the struggles that the Mets have been dealing with. So another tough break going into this, you know, pivotal series. And then finally... Like I mentioned, the, the the direction of both teams. I mean, Atlanta has been on an insane hot streak. They're coming off now a sweep of the Nationals, and they've been doing an amazing job for the past month plus. And the Mets, on the other hand, who, you know, have been getting by, but I don't know. They just don't look like themselves lately. They've had some really bad losses, especially in this series to Miami. And I don't know, against a good Atlanta team in what will be probably a very intense playoff atmosphere I don't I'm not going into this series all super confident you know but all of that being said is this a make or break series that's the that's the main question and obviously the answer is no the Mets and Braves play 15 more times the rest of the season and after this upcoming series they'll play 12 more times nine of those games are coming in August during a five game and four game series so some pretty big series in August and three are going to be played at the end of September into October 
So there are obviously plenty of other series for the Mets to battle back against the Braves if this one doesn't go their way. And if it does go their way, you know that there are going to be plenty of other battles that the Mets are going to have to go through with the Braves for the rest of the season. Going into this year, we didn't expect this to be a, a lock division. Didn't expect the Mets to get off to a 10 and a half game lead and, you know, dominate the division. The Braves are World Series champs, and you knew going into the season it was going to be a battle from start to finish to, to take the division. But that being said, losing this series would be a major gut punch. This sort of reminds me a little bit of last season. The Mets played a five-game set in, in New York against the Braves, and they lost three out of five games. They still were ahead in the division at that point. They still were, were leading, but it sort of felt like the energy and the momentum was transferred over to the Braves. And, you know, that series was at the end of the at the end of July. And as we know, in the beginning of August was when the Mets, you know, downfall and collapse sort of began. And I sort of remember after that series against the Braves at home, it was sort of like, all right, this was our chance to, you know, sort of put the Braves away, you know, take four out of five, at least take three out of five. And and the Mets weren't able to do that, ended up, you know, as we know, as the story goes, did not end well for the Mets last year. It just felt like they had blown an opportunity in that series. And frankly, this series gives me sort of the same energy. I, I mean, you know, being swept in the series or even losing the series, which would put the Mets at a, a half a game lead over the Braves, could be very crushing for this team. You know, that momentum, that, that energy of being the, the team dominating the NL East would all be thrown away. So while no, I don't think this series is make or break, the season's over if they lose it, season's over even if they get swept, it is something that, you know, going in, you want the Mets to be in there with a playoff energy, and, you know, with Mad Max starting in the first game, you know he's going in there with that type of energy, and you just got to hope the rest of the team, specifically the Bats, back him up and are rearing to get some wins here, because the Mets definitely need them, and they definitely need that momentum. So that is going to be all for this episode, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate it. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I love interacting with other Mets and baseball fans. And you can reach me at my Twitter, at PodMets. Tweet me your thoughts about the Mets, about baseball. I love talking about the sport. So I'd love to hear from you all on Twitter, at PodMets. Once again, thank you all so much for listening. And as always, let's go Mets.